Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sylvia F. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from San Francisco Bay. Uh, today is Wednesday, December 6, 2017, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book and we are on page Roman numeral 30, XXX in the doctor's opinion. And we're going to start on the classif- in the second paragraph, the classification of alcoholics seems most difficult. And we're going to read through five paragraphs. Today's readers are Athena on the 12 steps, Kathy G on the 12 traditions. Reader, our, our reader of the text will be Mo H, Liat TD, and Carrie S. And our newcomer greeter is Melanie C, which is after the recording ends. The reference number for Tuesday, December 5th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time is 10,757-10757. And the reference number for this morning's meeting, Wednesday, December 6th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 10,759-10759. Our preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Athena to read the 12 steps. Star one, do you unmute Athena? Oh, so sorry. Uh, this, good morning, everyone. This is Athena B, compulsive eater, recovering from Northern California. And these are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. I pass. Thank you, Athena. I will now ask Kathy G. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Kathy G., uh, gratefully recovering compulsive overeater from Illinois. And uh, let me just pull up the 12 traditions. Okay, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, 
The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always to maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks so much, and I pass. Thank you, Kathy G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on on Roman numeral 30, XXX, in the doctor's opinion. We're on the second paragraph, which starts with the classification of alcoholics seems most difficult. We're going to read through five paragraphs, ending with most chronic alcoholics are doomed. And now I'm going to ask Mo H. to begin our reading. Mo? Yes. Uh, Thank you, Sylvia, very much. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mo H. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Northern California. The classification of alcoholics seems most difficult and in much detail is outside the scope of this book. There are, of course, the psychopaths who are emotionally unstable. We are all familiar with this type. They are always going on the wagon for keeps. They are over-remorseful and make many resolutions but never a decision. There is a type of man who is unwilling to admit that he cannot take a drink. He plans various ways of drinking. He changes his brand or his environment. There is the type who always believes that after being entirely free from alcohol for a period of time, he can take a drink without danger. There is the manic depressive type who is perhaps the least understood by his friends and about uh, whom a whole chapter could be written. Then there are types entirely normal in every respect, except in the the effect alcohol has upon them. They are often able, intelligent, friendly people. All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been by any treatment uh, with which we are familiar uh, permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. This immediately precipitates uh, precipitates us into into a seething cauldron of debate. Much has been written pro and con 
but among physicians, the general opinion seems to be that most chronic alcoholics are doomed. Oops, Sylvia, I forgot to set, uh, bring my timer here, so could you time me, please? Thank you. I've got your time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the newcomers and all those who are on the line. Um, I feel honored to be sharing this morning. I was just looking at my big book. Uh, I bought it in May of 2002, and it was the second printing of this fourth edition. And the whole doctor's opinion part is loose in the book. It's uh, been, and been worked over a few times, a, a lot of times. Uh, so this this is the meat of the program for me, and I never read this like I've been reading it uh, more recently since I've been on this line for about almost two years now. Um, and I can identify myself with each one of these types, even though back then I had only put myself by the third type and the fifth type. The third type was the uh, uh, that I could like take go on a diet, and then when the diet was over and I lost the weight, I could take those foods back into my life, the sugary and floury and uh, foods that I'm allergic to. And, and the fifth type, that, uh, that I'm, I'm normal except in, uh, when it comes to food. And, um, you know, I raised a family and uh, had a job and all of that. And, but, then, but I could not control my food by myself. And the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence and I really had to get that in my gut and I had to put down the food for once and for all complete stop not a it had to be down and I did that two years ago finally I surrendered and I said to my sponsor I am willing to do whatever you say and we talked about all of my trigger foods, all of my red light foods, all of my behaviors that were causing me to want to go back to the food. Uh, and, um, and if I didn't do that, I'm doomed. And I knew that because I had had five years of abstinence from sugar and flour, and I went back into the sugar. And I knew I was doomed. I had to do something differently. And Thank God she put me onto this phone meeting, which really helped me understand the allergy and the phenomenon of craving. And that when that craving comes, and I don't have the physical craving anymore because the food is out and I have neutrality around the food, but I will get the mental craving. And if I don't deal with my mental craving by doing a, a 10 step or doing a step four if I need to again, I am doomed, and so I do that right away. And I've learned how to do those and make phone calls to you folks, and so grateful for all of you on the line. And with that, Sylvia, I'm going to pass. Perfect timing. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to take a list of people who want to share. We're on um, XXX, the second paragraph down through the end of the page in the doctor's opinion. Who, do, who would like to share? Ginger C. Ginger C. Mary Ann O. I, I have Mary Ann. Who? Mary Ann H. Mary Ann Riska H. Carrie Ann. I have Carrie uh, S. Did I have a Kathleen O in there? I had somebody yeah. O. Kathleen yeah. O. Thank you. Joanne B. Joanne B. Lisa S. Lisa S. F or S? S as in Sam. Okay. Okay. I've got Ginger C, Marianne Rifka H, Carrie S, Kathleen O, Joanne B, and Lisa S. Let's go ahead and start with Ginger. Followed by Marianne Good. Good morning, Sylvia, and thanks for your service. It's Ginger C, Recovered in Colorado, Compulsive Overeater. Oh, my gosh. These pages and these words are getting me so excited this morning. And um, just at the top here, you know, they're always going on the wagon for keeps. They are over-remorseful, and they make many resolutions, but never a decision. And a decision implements some kind of action. 
You know, and in all these chapters in these in this book, there is not one chapter titled Into Thinking. Now my mind would try to convince you of that because that's what I love to do is stay up in between those ears of mine and that's where the disease really centers, everything centers in my mind. You know, but this decision, this action, I have to always be doing. And the and the gift of this doing and getting into action is that the lifetime I spent in hell eating, it only takes 12 steps to get to heaven. But I'm not going to get there if I'm just talking about it and thinking about it. I have to be doing it like my life depends on it. Someone's recently told me, one of my favorite teachers has said, you know, Ginger, the longer you stay abstinent, the harder you have to be working it. And you would think just the opposite. I've got more days put together. I'm further from that bite. I can sort of take it easy. No, this disease is never taking it easy. And I'm not going to give it another second of my life. I just looked at a picture of my babies when they were two and four. And I just think about my daughter calling me Nummy Num Num when she was of that age. And she said that and she gave me that nickname because she felt the disconnect from her mother. When I'm eating, I'm only thinking about food. I am not thinking about these beautiful people that are surrounding me. So the bottom is the most important sentence to me ever, and I'm so grateful I finally conceded and saw it completely. The only relief that we have to suggest is entire abstinence. So yes, you have to have a funeral with your food, and you have to say goodbye. And I know I'm abstinent when my food is quiet. There's no more bands with electric lights screaming and having a show. So I hope today's pain is enough for you because you are affecting not only yourself, but many people around you. And the freedom again, you are so close to heaven. If you just get into action, you work it like your life depends on it each and every day, and you stay fit spiritually by staying in these steps and into this work. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Marianne Riska H, followed by Carrie F. That's star one, Marianne Riska. Are you there, Marianne Riska? Hi, it's Marianne Riska. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead. Okay, sorry about that. Mary Murphy H from New Jersey. Thank you so much for your service. So glad that we're reading this. Um, you know, there our disease comes in many different forms. There are a lot of different ways that this disease manifests itself. Um, and I know I doubted at a while, for a while at the beginning if I'm really as extreme as some of you being that I had never been obese. I had never even been so overweight that people would consider me to be a compulsive eater just by looking at me. Um, but at the same time, I knew that I had this thing. I could not start eating without not being able to stop. Anytime I started, I couldn't reasonably predict that I would be able to stop um, and I had to come to see for myself that the only relief that I was able to get from this physical allergy was entire abstinence is entire abstinence when I first came in I was just satisfied with being abstinent most of the time and losing weight and feeling good and only having an occasional bin. <laughs> and I saw as time went on that even that is an illusion that I have control, that I can keep it down to an occasional binge, and had to kind of be dragged around a little bit by the disease to see that if I want to be free of this obsession, I need to be entirely abstinent. Um, and that really, it really is a freedom. You know, I, it was frightening to have to put down a lot of food um, and food behaviors, but ultimately it's a real freedom. And I have to say that it was 
you know, this, this program works and it's brought me to a better place than I was before. And like it says in the big book, I, you know, the, my best times in the food don't compare to the worst times that I have now. It's, you know, my, my life now is that much better. Thank you all for being there with that attack. Thank you, Marianne Rivka. Now, uh, Carrie S. followed by Kathleen O. Good morning, Sylvia. This is Carrie S. Gratefully recovered in Golden, Colorado. <clears throat> and hold on, let me start my timer. Um, so this morning's reading, um, the words that are jumping off the pages, uh, I couldn't relate to. I didn't want to identify with being a psychopath or emotionally unstable or manic depressive. And I kept in how it works on page 58, it would always, it would, it would never resonate with me. It would say we, we suffer from grave emotional mental disorders. And, and I would, I would almost have self pity for those in the room. I'm like, I don't have grave emotional mental disorders. That's not me. And so I kept seeing myself identifying out and that kept me in the food for so long until one day I started cracking open this book in a different manner and made the connections. Let's see, my father suffers from bipolar. Hmm, my brother is manic depressive. Hmm, do it. maybe I come by it naturally. And so the last sentence here that says, the general opinion seems to be that most chronic alcoholics are doomed. I had to really sink into the fact that I was doomed. I was going to continue this cycle over and over and over. And I had to understand that the mental obsession was going to always send me back to the food. And so I, I started to get a better understanding of what it was like having a mental obsession with food. And I would just try to see what, what it what felt like having this phenomenon of craving, what it meant to me. And I just want to share that my creator has kept me creative. And when I heard a special edition back in October titled uh, Warnings and Death Threats, it had me do a little research in the big book. And I pulled up the fact that the word death actually occurs 13 times in our beloved big book. And my creator had me craft this poem that I'd like to read for you guys titled, Death Was Often Near. Doomed to an alcoholic death, many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. We were engaged upon a life and death errand. The difference between misery and sobriety and often the difference between life and death. We can avert death and misery for them. They have a new attitude and they have been saved from a living death. They believe in themselves and still more in the power which pulled chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. And so what it's like today is I'm living in the sunlight of the spirit. And I'm so grateful for this big book and for those that have helped crack it open for me. So if you're suffering, just keep coming back. Lots of love. With that, I pass. Thank you, Carrie S. Kathleen O. followed by Joanne B. Good morning. Thank you, Sylvia. This is Kathleen O. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. And this is this classification they're giving psychopaths, manic depressive, um, and normal, you know, quote, normal people, um, the normal type. Um, you know, some of these, I, I, I feel like I fit all of the definitions that they're putting in here. But it doesn't really matter um, what what all these all these classifications have in common is this abnormal reaction to a substance and it's what the substance does to us that matters you know it's an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind and that's never going to change for me and um, you know with food and entire abstinence I think that's where um, you know with alcohol everybody just puts down the alcohol is pretty black and white with food it seems different. I think that's why so many people want to know, oh, what's your food plan? You know, what, 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 what food plan do I do? And, and so it really is, for me, it was defining, you know, entire abstinence for me was, was things that trigger me. Anything that triggered me, I needed to put down. And I needed to realize that I, I just couldn't pick these up again. 
and and I do that a day at a time. And you know, it's really interesting because I'll be going. I mean, I feel um, really good in my recovery, in my abstinence. Um, I have entire abstinence, and yet I'll have dreams sometimes. Um, and I had a dream last night that I was eating, um, you know, a, a food that I have not eaten in in over a decade. And it's like, where did that dream come from? And and it just kind of reminds me, you know, it's like I am a compulsive overeater, and that's not going to change, even though on the outside it may not look that way to other people. And, you know, it's kind of like I, I don't have blonde hair and blue eyes, and I never dream that I have blonde hair and blue eyes, but but I will dream that I'm eating food when I'm when I'm working this program. And and so it just reminds me, you know, it's like I do have an allergy to the body, an obsession of the mind, and the only relief is entire abstinence, you know. Chronic alcoholics are doomed. I'm going to have this the rest of my life. And so unless I have entire abstinence the rest of my life, I'm going to be doomed. And, you know, the answer is entire abstinence, staying spiritually fit, following these steps, and working with others. And with that, I get relief a day at a time. And thank you. I pass. Thank you, Kathleen O. Joanne B., followed by Lisa S. Hi, this is Joanne B. Um, I'm from Texas. I'm a compulsive eater um, in recovery and so grateful for all of those um, in this room that have helped me walk towards recovery and understanding. This this uh, passage um, reminds me of how silly my mind is. Um, it's it's funny the way my mind works. And for all today is the first time, I, as Mo was reading, that I heard maybe this correctly for the first time. Um, I'm such a black and white thinker, and I and I would, whenever my my sweet sponsor would say, "How do you see yourself in this?" and I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness, I've got to choose. There's a right or wrong answer." And um, um, and then I thought, well, if I didn't choose the right answer that she was looking for, then I must not be a compulsive overeater. And uh, it was just so funny to see this so quickly while the reading was while it was being read, that this is all of us, and sometimes we might be in different places in our walk, or um, I can see myself in all of them, I think. And uh, I'm just, I'll tell you, someone right before us, or before me, said something about how exciting this reading was to her today. And I've often wondered, what does that feel like? And today, I am excited about this reading. I'm I am just having so many, many spiritual experiences, and um, yes, I still have struggles, and I still get in my head, and um, I'm having dreams of food. That it's crazy, and um, but it's exciting to see myself moving toward a better recovery. Um, and to see the importance of the program and to really see how I am. Uh, I'm a true compulsive eater. And um, it's just it's just very interesting how all of this is showing. Little by little, I'm seeing more and more. And with that, I just thank everyone, all of you who have helped me through your your participation in this, in this meeting and uh, your service and the love that you show to all of us that when we come in. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Joanne B. And Lisa S. Thank you. Hello, my name is Lisa S. As in Sam, I'm in Colorado. I am a compulsive overeater bulimic and very grateful to be working the steps today. Um, with the precise instructions in this big book, including these first chapters, uh, with an amazing sponsor. And I had the pleasure of listening to part of the meeting before us um, discussing the exact same paragraphs. And for me, I, the excitement is there, which is kind of amazing to be excited about being abstinent. Um, and I just want to share my experience here because 
when it talks about entire abstinence, um, when we become willing or we think we're willing uh, and open to really embark on becoming entirely abstinent, really putting that food down, when we are ready to do that, when we are ready to work these steps, when we are ready to entirely recover, um, that entire abstinence is critical, and we're, we're obviously talking about that over and over and over again, and we could all talk about it all day. And on the call earlier, they talked about 95% is not entire, right? Like you put 95 cents in the vending machine, it doesn't come out. Nothing comes out if it's a dollar. Um, and I just want to say that for some of us, that takes a lot of experimentation. That takes a lot of conversations. It takes honesty, willingness, openness. You know, um, where are we not entirely abstinent around certain substances, around certain behaviors? Uh, for me, I was shocked to find out that my allergy is triggered when I don't eat enough. If I don't eat enough calories at each meal or something along those lines, I can be triggered. And um, so for each of us, work to find that place, find someone that's recovered, to help you understand and grow towards your entire abstinence because it does work when we are entirely abstinent that allergy when it's not triggered we can entirely recover with these precise instructions thank you with that i will pass thank you lisa s okay we're reading on uh xxx roman numeral 30 in the big book and we're starting with the classification of alcoholics. It's the second paragraph, and we're reading the whole page. And who would like to share? Carrie Carrie KB. KB. Carrie KB. Oh, no. Leah, okay. KB. Sorry. I got Sherry KB. I got Liat TB. And the rest of you were Wendy a piled on. Wendy yeah, M. I got Lisa JR. Okay. So here's what I got. I know I missed a lot of you. Oh, I got Sherry KB. Hang on. Sherry KB, Liat, TD, uh, Wendy M, Lisa JR. Now, who did I miss? Wendy Melody. <laughs> We're going to have to get it one at a time somehow. Seneca. <laughs> what is it, Veronica? Oh, Seneca. Seneca? Seneca mm -hmm. T. And, yep. Okay. Who else? Mel Melanie. Melanie C. Okay, I can take Holly one. M. Holly M. Holly. Holly like uh, Christmas Holly. Uh, Allie like Alley Cat. Oh, Alley Cat. Good. Okay, I think that that'll be it. But we can take a few more names uh, at the end if uh, if we have more time. Okay, Sherry KB followed by Liat TD. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. It's Sherry KB in Northern California, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, thank you so much for your service, Sylvia, and everybody on the line, and welcome newcomers. And, you know, I just want to jump right in and say I'm so grateful that I found this line um, in 2013 because reading this and going through the doctor's opinion and unpacking this, this book helped me to understand my disease because my self-will, which is the voice of my disease, wanted me to identify out. And so when they would read these different types, I would go, well, where am I? I'm not really this, or I'm not really that, or maybe I am this, or maybe. And I would drive myself crazy. And what helped me so much is when somebody said, look for the similarities rather than the differences, identify in. Just keep identifying in. And so what I want to say is, is that, um, you know, this thing that it says that, you know, we can't stop from starting and we can't, we don't know when it's going to end. Um, that that was me, and that the only re relief I have is entire abstinence. And we can get into a culture and a debate about what entire abstinence is about, too. But for me, I keep it very simple, and it's just that what may be my alcoholic foods and trigger foods and compulsive food behaviors are different than yours, but whatever yours are, those are yours, these are mine, and that's what means to be entirely abstinent is to stay away from the trigger foods, the compulsive food behaviors, um, and so forth, so and the ingredients. Um, so that helps me a lot. That makes it very clear. Um, and then it's telling me here that if I 
you know, that I'm doomed if I don't do this work because I have a twofold illness. And that is another thing that I found out in the doctor's opinion. I didn't realize that it wasn't my fault. It wasn't a moral issue. But I needed to take the responsibility to put the food down so my higher power could keep me abstinent, get me into these steps, and remove the mental obsession. Because I cannot remove the mental obsession. And if I don't believe that I have a mental obsession, I am doomed because I will keep going in that circle over and over and over again, thinking I can do it differently this time, that it will be different. And I do identify a bit with, you know, when I was free for a period of time without danger, I thought I could go back. And, again, you know, I need to be in this book all the time to be reminded that I am a true compulsive overeater, and without my higher power, without the steps, without this book, without you guys, I can't do this. But I will do it one day at a time every day, one day at a time, and I have to keep doing it. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Liat TD, followed by Wendy M. Yes, hi, good morning. Liat TD from California. Thank you, everybody. What a beautiful meeting. I love the big book. I love this passage. Um, I could only think about, you know, this uh, doctor, the big book was pub, uh, published in April of 1939, and those alcoholics asked him to write some information that he discovered about the alcoholic. And, you know, this man, he was a sane man, I mean, relatively sane, but at least he was not an alcoholic, and he was able to identify things that are in common with those alcoholics, you know. And when I read this, I, of course, I couldn't relate, especially when I was in the food, because the alcoholic life or the food addict life was the only one I knew. You know, I thought I'm depressed because my mom beat me up when I was a child. I thought I was eating because of that. Uh, I was emotionally unstable. You know, one day I was wonderful. Another day, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, the fifth, uh, you know, for me, the fifth type was my Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It was like... Everybody thought I was great, and I was really, you know, underneath was some uh, emotionally unstable woman, you know. And if there was a chapter to the manic depressive today, I'm sure I would identify with that, too. Um, I was just remembering uh, when I was in the military, I really wanted to get out. Uh, first, I wanted to get in because I thought I'm going to lose weight, but I just gained weight in the military. And then... I wanted to get out, so I wanted to go out based on psychological reasoning. And I went to the psychiatrist, and I told him that I am um, depressed, that I can't stay, and I gave him all the blah, blah, blah. And uh, he said, okay, why don't you take this antidepressant pill? And I took one, and he said, it's going to take a while. I can't wait. I want to change right away. So I I told him, this is not working. This is not working. In, in about two weeks, I was taking 10 pills. God knows what milligrams it was. I was shaking and chattering. My teeth were chattering all over the place. Um, and I knew, and I knew that it's not going away. And I dropped all the pills at once, which was not recommended by the doctor. But that's me, you know. And a lot of times people say, you know, it's too uh, negative. Those talks are negative. I need to recover based on positive information. This is the truth. That doctor identified the truth about me, you know, and the longer I am clean, the longer I'm away from that food and the effect that it does and convinces me that I'm okay, the more I can identify and I can write more chapters today. So, but I thank God for the solution because I, I know today to differentiate the truth from the false and I know if I'm not, how to get there. I love you all. If it had happened to me, it will happen to anyone. I'll pass. Thank you, Liat TD. And um, um, you're all allocated three minutes, but you don't have to take the yes. whole time. So Wendy M. followed by Lisa J.R. Great. Hi. Good morning, Wendy. I'm recovered gratefully in Colorado. And uh, Sylvia, thank you so much for your service this morning, everybody on the line. I um, so this page is so incredibly meaningful to me. Um, I have to first say, you know, that these words, entire abstinence, is a complete game changer, right? It's like from, I always say, black and white, one dimension to 
three dimensions, uh, t- tons of Technicolor. It's it's completely different. And you know, for 15 years before I was in Vision, I think I read this book. In fact, I think I read it to sponsees, but I've never ever seen these words before. I'm like what? You know, entire abstinence. What are you talking about? I don't relate to this at all. Um, it, it, I, I I now relate to it completely. Right. And so I do say it's a game changer because for me, um, you know, having a sponsor read this to me and explain entire abstinence, listen to Ruth M's talk, May 4th, 2014, for folks who have not heard the talk on entire abstinence, you know, that's an unbelievable game changer, right? Um, And it wasn't just that I gave up all those foods and behaviors, but I had a complete psychic change. Um, God absolutely entered me, complete God consciousness, um, and it changed my mind, my attitude, my behavior. That does not mean that I don't have defects of character come up absolutely every day. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that I entered a brand new world. It's a complete and total change. And the other thing I love about this page is that it names my experience. I completely identify in you know, and at first, like, you know, the bipolar and, and all these other things, I think I am not, you know, I don't really think I relate to that. But the truth of the matter is, as has been said, the problem centers in my mind. And the greatest gift I've been given is entire abstinence. And then the second gift is this notion that my mind is nuts, that my thinking is made up. And that it's just stories that I tell myself. And if I keep believing those stories, I will eventually go back to the food. But the advantage here is that I'm not alone and I get to call all of you um, and work this out on literally a daily, a day-to-day basis. Um, so, I ha- you know, it tells me entire abstinence. And by the way, and I always say this, if you are struggling or you're in the food, it is so much harder to be in the food, right? It's exhausting to be in the food. Um, than it is to be entirely abstinent. And I'm so deeply grateful for this concept. I can't even tell you. It has given me freedom beyond belief. And with that, I will pass. Thanks very much. Thank you, Wendy M. Lisa J.R., followed by Seneca T. Good morning, everybody. This is Lisa J.R. from Baltimore, Maryland. And if you would be so kind to time me, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, Gotcha. This this has been underlined. It looks like a rainbow here, a million different colors. Um, as I read through this with Fonsees, I always pluck out something new every time. Um, you know, I identify so much with everybody. At one point in my reading career, I, I, I can identify in with all of these types. Um, and it took me a long time to say I was un- emotionally unstable, but there I am, you know, um, doing crazy things with food, you know, only an emotionally unstable person would do. And um, it really doesn't matter except that, you know, um, it says all these and many others have one symptom in common. Okay, we can't ingest our alcohol and, and not want more and more and more. There's no bottom to how much we will ingest. And so, you know, it, it, um, I spent so much time sweating over the minutiae of, you know, what made me tick? Why was I eating? If I could only find out what made me tick, I could get a handle on this thing. And I spent, you know, 40, 46 years trying to figure it out, um, battling, acting insanely, um, you know, you name it. We've all been there. But, you know, the, the the last line, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. Um, in the beginning, it was very easy for me to identify my binge food. Um, I headed for the bakery department, and I was so grateful that uh, Lori gave that uh, January 1st, 2017 talk, and also Kim G. Um, in 16, June, I believe it was, of 16, that, you know, I was able to, to realize that, yeah, everybody is different, that the people that said you can't eat flour, you know, that that's for them. I can't eat flour mixed with um, fat 
and especially flour mixed with fat and sugar. Um, that's that's a, a real um, death sentence for me. But it, as far as the behaviors went, I was on a learning curve. I'll be honest with you. I had a hard time. Um, I began to slowly realize certain things about my behavior, my eating behavior, like the hand to mouth. Um, you know, just and and as somebody so, I was so grateful to hear somebody say, you know, not eating enough calories. That was something I did that set off my. And it took me time to figure that out, but. Um, you know, as I began to, more got revealed, you know, I began to work harder and harder. And I would just say in closing that um, anybody out there, take advantage of those special editions. Take advantage of those archives. Um, you can learn so much. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Uh, I have uh, five minutes and three more readers, so uh, take the time that you want. I will time, but if you can keep it shorter, that's great. Seneca T, Melanie C. Hi, this is Seneca T. Um, I am a recovering compulsive overeater from Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, I relate it so much to this reading. Um, there's so much. As a newcomer to this line, it's like, whoa, uh, it, this is probably maybe two or three meetings probably for me in one phone call. And the, um, the first sentence, the classification of uh, alcoholics, in my case, compulsive overeater, seems most difficult in much detail it's outside the scope of this book. And, of course, it is. It's an alcoholic book, right? So what I found is the abstinence book that I found at my face-to-face -face meeting um, that my sponsor lovingly encourages me to attend um, was like, has been like almost this book and that abstinence book has been opening my eyes to what abstinence is for me. Because just like my higher power is, your higher power is not mine, it will never be. Your abstinence is not mine, but for me, I'm so desperate to get it. If you say stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing it. And if you say, I'm, I don't eat that, I'm going to stop eating it. And it's not even something that would trigger me. But on the things that do trigger me, I have to be, like, ridiculous on my face, honest. Honest, open, willing to be surrendered about it. And that is the way that I have, over the four months, started to realize what my abstinence truly is, not looking at yours but also realizing, damn, I'm stuck in step four. Why the hell can't I get out of step four? And it's all this truth about myself, all of these, all this tons and tons and tons of truth, but I just have to take little snips of it and say, okay, God, I can do this with you. I really can. And the other part of the reading, there is a type of man who is unwilling to admit that he cannot take a drink. Um, there was points where I wasn't willing to admit how freaking selfish or resentful I was. I'm, I, I, within those things, I get so ashamed. I'm like, gosh, I, I like people. I'm a people person, but really I hate your freaking guts if you're a racist. I really do. And so I, being honest about that and being honest about my food has cleared up what being abstinent is for me. And thank God that this meeting is going on, that I'm finally understanding the disease. But thank God also for my face-to-face -face meetings and the OA literature that is helping me put these two things together so that I can freaking live. Thank you guys for letting me share. Okay. Thank, thank you, Santa T. And Melanie C., we have two minutes for you, a little less than two minutes, if you want to close us out with apologies to Allie M. Thanks so much, Sylvia. Thank you, everyone. My name is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. The passion which everybody was sharing today has just been phenomenal for me. You know, I look at these paragraphs, and there's such a broad way in which to come at them, but it kind of boils down for this to this for me. And he's talking about a classification, where we come, what I can do with that. Yes, I'm this. Yes, I'm that. All these things together, I can find a way in which I'm different than you, and I can find a way that in which I'm the same. But if I come down to the last piece that says, it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter where you are, what you're from, what you have, what's going on here, where you, what your birth order is, none of that thing. The fact is that they, we have these things in common. And if somehow we don't come to some sort of mutual agreement about that in this deal, we're going to die. We are doomed. We're absolutely doomed if we don't. This is very simple. We can agree upon an entire abstinence. Can you believe that? We can agree upon and, and define an entire abstinence that's common to all of us but unique to the individual. Can you believe that? And if that's the goal and the aim in which we do this, this work, we we'll all have what we have. You know, we're very privileged to be on the line with so many that have recovered. This is phenomenal. This is not unique to Overeaters Anonymous. Or rather, it is unique to Overeaters Anonymous. It is huge that we have a universally agreed upon a place in a way in which we have a, a format which we follow. It's solution all the time and looking how we can bridge in to con con connect each other. I kind of lost my way there for a second, being the last one because I was so engrossed in what, what everybody was saying. But the point of the matter is, is that um, keeping it simple. I have this phenomenon, I gotta find out what entire absence is and bind in together. And what I have is the same thing that you have, no matter what your walk and state in life is. And with that fragmented speech talk, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Melanie C. Okay, uh thank you to everyone who shared. Thank you to Team Wednesday. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And we'll lay out TD, please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, yeah, TD, recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass to you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand him. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and joined us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road to happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.